0: You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. What a warm morning it was compared to yesterday and the day before. Is everybody doing well? So, um, yeah, I just want a couple things before I jump into the message you know, you saw Julie talking about some uh, missions, opportunities we're going to be having. If you go to our website, we actually made a page for that. It's ntcmessina.com. I think it's backslash living outward, And that's where kind of all of our missions opportunities are. And we actually have a trip that's coming up like right away with a few people going to Honduras. And so we actually um, have Julie Miller... Uh, and Dene Ramsdell, who are actually serving in Augsburg this morning, and then Noreen von Borsa, who's not here. But we're going to take a minute and just pray for them. Can we pray for them? Uh, l- luckily, uh, prayer knows no distance, and we can pray wherever they're at, and it'll matter, right? So we're going to pray for that team as they go. So Father, we just thank you that we have an opportunity to work with you. God, that it's not just about uh, knowing you. It's not just about Uh, you know, following some religious idea, but God, it's actually about working alongside you, God. You call us your co-labors. And so, Father, we just thank you for these three people who have saved money and spent time and sacrificed of their time to go on this trip, not just for themselves, God, or something like that, but simply to work with you in extending your kingdom. So, God, we ask you to bless Danae, to bless Julie, God, and to bless Noreen, God, as they go. Let that trip be covered. Be safe, Father God. Let it be productive, God. Let them see great kingdom fruit in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you've never been on a missions trip, you should go on a missions trip. Um, one, of the, one of the arguments about missions trips is it's really expensive. Uh, and if you go and you really think about what you're doing, sometimes you, re- you realize like, man, I'm not accomplishing that much in two weeks. I would say, though, as much as the investment matters to work with God as we're praying, the investment in what God will do in you is worth every penny. And I'm convinced that uh, we live in a beautiful bubble called the United States of America, and it is a bubble. Uh, The world does not live like us, does not understand the world in which we understand. And it's really helpful for us as Christians to realize that God's heart is for all people, and that our problems here in you know, New York State or in the United States aren't the only problems happening in the world. And Jesus is interested in writing all of them. And, you know, I've been unbelievably changed every trip I go on. And I think the first time I brought Jeremiah to Uganda, he was, uh, he might have only been seven years old, six or seven. And I remember a lot of people... In our family, we're like, are you sure it's safe? And I was like, no, I don't think it's actually, I don't know. And, you know, even now going on a trip, you know, we all risk this idea. Once you get over there, if you test positive, guess what? You don't get to come home right away. There's a risk to it, a sacrifice to it. But I'm telling you, when you step out in ways like this, God transforms you. And I think there's no more powerful way to be transformed than to go outside your comfort zone, to sacrifice your money and your time, and, and see what God can do. So I would just encourage you. You know, we have some trips planned for New York City. Uh, New York School of Urban Ministry, it's called. It's usually uh, two, three, four-day trips there. Uh, I think we have some trips planned for Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, working with a pastoral friend of ours, Ben Malman, and his church in the inner city there. Um, we have trips planned. I think we might even be planning a trip to Alaska. If you like the wilderness and nothing, um, you can go to Alaska <laughs> I mean, actually, I've been to Uganda, right, many times. And I looked at the trip to Alaska, and I thought, this is scarier than going to Uganda. I, it's quite wild how you have to, to get there. Um, the, the whole area that they go and minister in is actually surrounded by what I can only describe as wasteland and bogs. There's no, eight, and there's no way to get there by land. You have to fly in one of those little tiny, like, six-seater planes. Um, it's quite an interesting thing. But anyway, there's lots of opportunities to serve, let alone in our own community and the things that we do here. So I would really, really press for you this year. Really consider it. Um, it will be really transforming for you. All right, so we have been talking about joy for the last couple of weeks. Anybody else feel more joyful? Oh, okay, hey, a little, few people are like, I don't know if you're really trying or, you know. So right after I spoke about joy, I came home and um uh got covid and so i wasn't here last week i don't know if they told you but i had covid and uh and act you know I, I i'll just be honest i don't mind you telling you guys my my stuff but i'm vaccinated uh still got covid and still got quite sick and uh spent the last 10 days really recovering i was feeling pretty good by thursday i w- my quarantine was only supposed to be for 5 days now because you know they just decided Uh, that it was no longer 10. Don't get me started on those things. But uh, I actually was on the phone, I'm like, you're telling me I can leave? I'm coughing really, really bad. She's like, well, you shouldn't be contagious anymore. Mm, I'm not sure I believe you. So I stayed home longer until I was feeling a lot better. So, um, but listen, joy shouldn't be a matter of circumstance. And I think this is the struggle we have as As just people, humans in our nature, it's easy to have joy or, you know, this idea of pursuit of happiness that's built into our way of life as Americans. We have this idea that if we we get to a certain stage in life or a certain place in life or we we experience a certain amount of external things, then we're going to have joy or we're going to have this happiness that we're searching for. But the truth is joy can't be a matter of circumstance because your circumstance can change like that. And, and if you've been around for any length of time in your life, you realize you are in very little control over the circumstances of your life. Circumstances just happen to you. That's life. How you react and how you act within those, those are probably the only choices we get as humans. But we don't get to choose how our life is going to go. We can try and we can make plans and we can make efforts and goals and directions. And, and obviously those things matter and they do work. But at the end of the day, life still happens to you. And if your, if your, if your joy and your happiness is based on your circumstances, it's never going to last. And so I want to kind of pick up in Hebrews today just quickly um, starting this kind of third installment of us talking about joy. In Hebrews 12 too, I might have mentioned it in my My first message a couple weeks ago, if you turn your Bibles there, Hebrews 12.2, of course, I just want to always remind you we have some Bibles in the back. If you need to take one home with you or borrow one, we would love for you to take that. So Hebrews 12.2, I'm just going to start right there. It says this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So it says this. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Now, this this should be a complicated thought. Now, for us as Christians, a couple thousand years later, it's not as complicated as in this moment. It says, for the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. That doesn't make sense. To go be tortured in the most inhumane way possible that the Romans could imagine doesn't equate to joy. And so Jesus shows us immediately, and even Paul referring to this, or the writer of Hebrews referring to this, says that the joy was awaiting him. That's why he endured the cross. So the cross itself wasn't the joy. It's what the cross accomplished. Do we know what the cross accomplished? I would like to say it this simply this way. It accomplished relationship with you. You know, uh, I think Sherry shared, or, or actually it might have been Elaine. I can't remember which one of you guys were sharing a couple of things this morning. And we talked about this divide that was created really since the beginning of time. We see Adam and Eve, and, and then we see this breakdown of relationship between God and humanity. The cross brought that relationship back together, or at least the opportunity for it. And Jesus could see beyond what he was going to have to endure on the cross. He saw the prize in which he was willing to pay for. And the prize was you and I. I think sometimes we forget in in a sense or we gloss over the reality that Jesus was willing to give up his life. Just so that he would have an opportunity of relationship. Not even guarantee of it. I think that's a mind-blowing idea to me, to think that God would say, you know what, I've got to at least make it possible, even though he knew that many, many, many would say, no, thank you. People would see God in a certain light, and they'd reject him, or they'd see Jesus in a certain light and reject him, or they'd see Christians in a certain light, and they'd reject him. And God somehow even knowing what would happen after that where people would still reject him, he pays this ultimate price, endures the cross, and it says for the joy set before him. that joy was the possibility of relationship with you and I and every other human. That's the God we're talking about. Not some God who's just interested in rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. But a God who literally says, I just want the chance for my children to come back home. Like we talked about with the prodigal son story. A father who waits on the porch waiting for the possibility that they might return. Romans says so that he could adopt us as his own children. That we could call him Abba Father. This is the heart of God. This is the basis, the beginning of our joy. I think when we realize in relationships, just think about your relationships in in life here. Sometimes we talk about relationship with God, we talk about relationship with Jesus, and it feels too intangible to put into real words or, or to real Feelings or real understanding. But put yourself in a relationship with your your spouse, your significant other, your children, your friends. When one of those friends or those, those other people go out of their way to do anything for you, what does it cause in your life? Some joy. I mean, I know the simplest way to make all things right in my marriage. Go to Tim Hortons and bring home her a coffee. Not when she asks, when she's not thinking about it. And I walk in that door, and in a minute, in a moment, she's just like, oh, you brought me a coffee. I'm like, yeah, it cost me two bucks. (laughs) Because when you do something for somebody else, it actually initiates a place where joy can actually grow. That's what Jesus was doing. He looked at us as humanity. He looked at humanity in the past, humanity that was going to be all in the future, and he said, I'm going to initiate a place where joy can actually be in their life. I'm going to do something they don't deserve, something they don't expect, and I'm going to pay the ultimate price to do it. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's why we come. That's why I'm here. It's because I know that despite all that the world throws at me, What Jesus has done at the beginning. And that I can experience joy not based on my circumstances, but based on the fact of who the joy comes from. The joy awaiting Jesus was him reconciling our relationship with the Father. The joy is right relationship with us. So listen, today I wanted to kind of talk to you about the two main places that you have to live in a sense to find the joy that Jesus has for us the one is this relationship if you don't have it with Jesus you're not going to find the joy we're talking about we'll give you a chance at the end to start that relationship if you want you can whisper it to yourself and start now because if you don't have relationship with him it's not going to work at all You will search for it. You will search for fulfillment in a million different ways. But you will not find the joy that God has designed for you to find. It has to start with relationship. But there's a second part, which is most of my message this morning, that is equally as important as relationship. And I want to pick up in John 14 and John 15. I'm going to read a whole bunch of this. So um, if you've been around for a couple of years, you've heard me read out of these chapters endlessly. I love John 12 through 17. It's Jesus just talking and sharing so much of his heart with his disciples. It's really important. So I'm going to pick up in verse 15 of John 14, okay? John 14, verse 15. If you have your Bibles, read with me. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. You hear this relational language. I will come to you soon, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will I lost my spot. You will know that I am in my father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and he will come, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm going to jump down to verse or to chapter 15. Jesus continues talking. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, are you still with me? You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments, and remain in his love. Listen, I just read a whole bunch to you. I hope you listened to the whole thing. But do you hear the language going on here? There's a back and forth in this language that I love. It starts with the introduction of the Holy Spirit and how literally Jesus brings us into the relationship through the Holy Spirit. He literally says, "I, you will reside in me. You will reside with us. And then, if you obey my commandments. And then there's this, oh, this movement from just this relational language to this obedience language. And he says, if you you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I say. If you love me, me and my Father will come and make our home in your hearts. And he goes back to relational language. And then he comes back to obedience language. And then back to relationship language. Back and forth, over and over. Then he goes on to talk about fruit. And he says, listen, if you love me, you will produce much fruit. And if you love me, then we'll trim those branches. You'll produce even more fruit. And he gets all the way down, and he says, I have told you these things. So this is a summary now of everything we just read and even more. He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. There's two important parts in this. He says, I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. So he's now, he's claiming ownership over the joy in which he's dispensing to us. But then he immediately goes on to say, yes, your joy will overflow. You know, the first message I spoke on, I talked about this trade that Jesus wants to do with us. And he wants to take our sorrows and give us joy. And I believe that Jesus wants to give us joy, but the truth is there's two parts that really matter to having this joy in our life. One is relationship with him, which we just, we just landed on. The second one is obedience. Who loves that word? Obedience. I mean, ugh. It irks me, literally. Like, to say it? Or to even think someone would demand it of me makes me want to not do whatever it is. <laughs> Anybody else with me? Can we be honest? Obedience. Jesus going back and forth in his language about following his commandments, about doing what he says, about fulfilling the commandments of the Father, and back and forth between commandments and obedience and relationship And then ends with, if you do those things, obedience and relationship, you will have my joy. I would say today that I think one of the biggest struggles of joy in our life is as Christians, those who are followers of Jesus, right, we're following him, we tend to not follow him well. We follow him, we come and receive the gift of relationship he pays for on the cross, because man, yeah, we know we need that grace, we know we want to get to heaven one day and we don't want to spend eternity in in hell, we don't want to be separate from God, so we kind of cash in this salvation and we mean it. It's not I'm not joking about it, we mean it, but then we tend to sometimes stop there and we still wanna do everything else our own way after that. And then we're like, Jesus, why am I depressed? Jesus, why, why, why has nothing changed? Jesus, why, why do I still feel this way? And Jesus is going, because you're doing the same things you always did. You're, you're making the same decisions you always made. Now you think you're a Christian can make those decisions and they'll be different? <clears throat> no. You see, when we come to follow Christ, when we actually trade in our life for His... It means that we now have to do the things Jesus did. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, he says, Go into all the world and preach the good news, which is right relationship with him accomplished through the cross. And then he says this, And teach them to obey all the commandments I have given you. Teach them to obey. Listen, it's been from day one. None of us like to obey. It's okay. We can admit it. But to find joy in our life is is literally finding a place where we realize that when I'm in charge of all my decisions, I'm probably not going to find joy. But when I put Christ, when I put Jesus in charge of my life and I actually follow his way of doing things, his way of making decisions, his way for my life, then all of a sudden we find a joy we never knew was possible. Because he knows better than we do. He knows far more than we know. He sees the end from the beginning. All the things that we know to be true about God. Yet somehow we still cling to our life and want to be in control of it. Yet when we release our life and we actually become obedient followers of Christ. Meaning we follow the ways in which he showed us to live. Then we will find the joy that he's designed for us to follow. Many of us can't find the joy God has for us because we're not willing to be obedient. I'm included in that statement. Obedience to Christ. He says, I tell you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now listen. It could easily sound like I'm now preaching the idea of a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm not. Because really, I love this. Jesus boils it down really simply. Because, you know, he says this whole thing, and three verses later he says, do you want to know what the commandment is? It's one. Love one another as I have loved you. That should be just as mind-blowing. Because I'll tell you this, I, I've thought so much about this. And I'm like, but Jesus, what about telling people, you know, they shouldn't get drunk? I mean, isn't that smart? But Jesus, shouldn't we add to this list? What about telling people they they shouldn't sleep around with their life? I mean, that's just destructive. It's hurtful. They shouldn't do that. we got to make sure people know those things. Aren't these part of the commandments? And, And what I've realized is that almost all of that, which Jesus says in Matthew, he says all of the law and the prophets are summed up in these two statements. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And later he boils it down to this one. Love each other as I have loved you. And when I really think about this, when we can love each other in the way Christ loved us, everything else fixes itself. Because you want to know what the epitome of all sin is? Selfishness. So when we stop thinking about self and we now think about others and loving them like Christ loved us, it literally leaves no room for the sin we got to stop doing. It leaves no room for the the stupid decisions and the disobedient ideas and all the ways that we've been living that seem to just leave us depressed and anxious and broken and all that stuff. It, It leaves no room for it because now we're focused on something else. But sometimes as Christians, instead of focusing on this main thing that Jesus says, which is to love as I have loved you, we stare in the mirror most of our lives trying to fix the nitpicky things, and it just doesn't work. Anybody else tried that? It doesn't work. You can, you can stay up as much as you want and go, oh, man, I, I just got to be less angry. Anybody, has that ever worked for anybody? That like, makes me more angry trying not to be angry. Maybe you don't have anger problems. Anybody that does, you get me. Instead, we need to be looking towards the things that Christ has taught us to do. And the first and foremost basic commandment is loving each other. That when we start to act selflessly, I believe Jesus has great joy for every one of us. Great joy. In fact, I know for a fact that whenever I've been involved, and I like to say involved because It'd be real easy to sometimes attribute too much to ourselves because really Jesus does all the work. But whenever I've been involved in someone coming to the realization of who Jesus is and how much he loves them, I'm telling you there's no greater joy. There's no dollar sign that can equal it. There's no vacation trip that can bring it. But when I see the eternity of someone's life transformed because I was obedient to Jesus, I can't tell you the fulfillment it brings. I think you can only know it if you've been involved in it. This is where joy actually comes to reside within us. Is when we start to put off the thinking that we can't be used by God or that we, we don't have all that it takes to be used by God and we actually say Jesus calls us to produce Fruit. John 4, 36, Jesus is with the woman at the well. That whole story happens, and then the disciples come back, and the disciples had gone to bring him food and water. And then they bring this food and water back, and and they try to give it to him, and he says, I I don't want it. And they're like, well, I don't get it. You You sent us to get food. You were hungry. Do you have a food we don't know about? And he says, I do have a food you don't know about. And he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of my Father in heaven. And he says, bringing fruit, he says, is eternal people brought, or is lives brought to eternity. The fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. That's the words. The fruit we're called to harvest in our lives is people brought to eternal life. When we even get involved in that happening, I'm telling you, you'll find great joy. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. First that's us and then it's everyone around us. And the joy he has that he wants to give you isn't just based on a simple moment where you would recognize your need for Jesus. It's, a, it's the moments that continue after where we're obedient to him. And that obedience can be played out in a million ways. I think the basis of it is this, bringing people to eternal life, sharing the good news, being a light to the world. All the words that Jesus used to try to say that he had purpose for us while we were here. But how it looks in our everyday life can be very simple. Maybe it's wake up 15 minutes early and spend time with him, building relationships. Maybe it's seeing that person in Walmart when you're in a hurry and going over and giving that person some hope. Maybe it's sitting down at your table and writing a letter to somebody. Maybe it's going and reconciling with someone you've you've been separated from for too long. When we start to act in the obedience of how God is leading us, especially against our own desires to do so Jesus dispenses joy and what was his joy that he dispenses I love how he says so that your joy will overflow it immediately can become our joy doing the will of our father Matthew 7 21 through 23 I think these are some of the I always say the scariest verses in the Bible Jesus is speaking, and he says this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Scary thought. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Cast out demons in your name, and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Do you see the two parts that happen in those statements? The first one is obedience to God. Those who actually do the will of my Father. Do we know what the will of the Father is? Yes, we do. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he goes on to say, "You don't." the reason they couldn't enter is why? Relationship. I don't know you. And he goes on to dis- explain why he doesn't know them, because they broke God's laws. He's not talking about Levitical law here. I think he's talking about the simplest of ones. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Obedience in relationship. Obedience in relationship. If we want to experience the joy that Jesus has for us, we have to embrace both of them. It's so easy to embrace the relationship side. I'm with you 100%. I love it. That's my favorite part. Jesus, our friend, God, our Father, the Holy Spirit, our advocate. It's easy to embrace that side. But then if we get distracted and don't actually learn to step out in obedience in our life, I'm telling you, we will always fall short of the fulfillment and joy Jesus has for us. Who wants true fulfillment and joy? I think everybody does. I don't want the one controlled by my circumstances or the one controlled even by my sleep pattern. (laughs) I want the one that comes from a place of doing what Jesus calls all of us to do. This is why we come to church. This is why... We're starting a church in Augensburg. It's why we're believing for the North Country to be saturated. Not because we just think we should have more buildings with names on them so that people can gather and worship. It's simply so that people can know that the the God of this universe wants relationship with them. That's the obedience part of our act. It's to spread what we know to be true about God already. You know, we have those three statements when you come in. Know God, love one another, make disciples. It comes from this idea. And the make disciples kind of comes from Matthew 28. But really, I I say this a lot, but the best way you can make a disciple, do for others what God has already done for you. If you know Jesus, and you understand his salvation for you, you are qualified to help someone understand that. You don't need to go to Bible class. You don't need... To have some degree or 10 years of experience. If you've experienced hope from Jesus, you can now help someone experience hope. What is it that God has done for you that he wants you to do for someone else? That's a question I want to propose to you guys this week. What is it God's actually asking of you? Not just of us as corporate people and as a corporate church, which we are doing awesome things and we're excited about all God's going to do through all of us, but what does he want to do through us as individuals? In your workplace, in your home, in your close relationships, what does God asking of you today? Can we stand this morning? John 16, as Jesus is kind of summarizing up his whole long dialogue here that we see through those chapters. In verse 20, he says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. I believe... There's people in this room. There's people watching online. You need your grief to turn to wonderful joy today. Not another minute needs to go by where grief is what hangs over your head. Joy can be what hangs over you. God wants to exchange that this morning. He wants to start that relationship with some of you this morning. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in this room. I want to give an opportunity. If you've never started that relationship with Christ, or maybe you feel like I've started it, but man, I stopped it too. Then you can restart it right now. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask every one of us to pray a prayer together. Just to repeat after me. And if you're saying it for the first time, I would love for you to tell one of us after the service. Maybe in the welcome room, come up to one of the leaders. But Jesus wants to start this relationship with you. I know I talked a lot about obedience today, but if we don't have the relationship part down, if if that relationship has been broken in some way, you've got to reconcile that first. So let's pray together. Let's just repeat after me. Jesus, we come before you today. And we admit we need you. So Jesus, we want this relationship. We want the grace you paid for. And we want to start this relationship with you. So Holy Spirit, come right now. Jesus, come right now and help me start it. Amen. I just want to pray. I want to pray over the rest of you. For those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, that we would take steps, not distantly in the future, but today, this week, to step out in obedience, to see God dispense that joy. I really believe God is going to put even just one or two thoughts this week where you're, you know this is Him prompting you to be obedient, and you're going to have a choice. Am I going to do this, even if it's awkward, even if it's weird, even if I'm scared to do it? Am I going to do this, or, if I'm, or am I going to just continue to make the same decisions? I would say test Him. Test Him. Step out in the obedience He's calling you to do. See how you feel after. See if that joy starts to awaken in you after. Can we just lift our hands in the room if you're at home? Father, we just surrender our lives to you, God. God, we give of ourselves to you, God. We know that, yes, we make decisions. Yes, we have to make plans. But, God, at the end of the day, we want to be great followers of you. God, we want to be obedient to your ways. We want to be obedient to your teaching, God. We want to be obedient to the call you have over our lives. And so, Jesus, I ask right now that you would just flood our hearts, flood our minds with ways that we can step out, being obedient and receiving your joy this week. And Father, I ask that you bless every person in this room, every person watching online, every family, every situation, God. We ask for your Holy Spirit to come in every person's life as we step out in obedience to you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or you just want to share what God's doing in your heart, I'd love for you to stop at the welcome room. We'd love to have you there.
1: Uh, what a great word about joy today. And I just want to just tell you a, a little something that I've experienced this joy before. I've walked up to people in grocery stores and strangers prompted by the Holy Spirit. I've shared um, what God has done for me with others. In Greg's right, there's it's like no high that this earth can give you. It, it only comes from doing His will. So today... And this week, I think the challenge is to ask the Holy Spirit, God, put someone on my heart, you know, if I'm walking in Walmart or if I'm at at work or, you know, just start praying, God, who can I share what you have done, what you have done for me, what can, who can I share that with this week? And so um, that's our challenge this week. And I just, I'm excited to come back together on Sunday and just celebrate all that God has done in our lives this week and the joy we've experienced. And if you're new or if you've never um, been or you just want to meet some people, there will be a small group um, in the Connect room right outside here to the right. Go have some donuts and some um, coffee and some fellowship. Have a great week and be blessed.
0: Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.